Let's begin our time in worship and song this morning. This is my desire to honor you, Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. within me I give you praise all that I adore is in Dear God in heaven, we praise your precious name. Lord, we pray that you work within us through your spirit. That we know that that spirit is living within us and that it gives us confidence and joy and peace and comfort at all times, not only in the good times, but also in the bad. Lord, we are thankful for this congregation of believers here at Preston Crest. We're thankful for everyone who works so hard to make this a hospitable place to be, a good place to be for fellowship with one another. Lord, help us to never take that for granted. Lord, we ask your blessing on this time of worship let us lift up our hearts in song. Let us open our minds and hearts to your word, to the good news, to the gospel. And help us to be vessels throughout the community and in every, every place that we go. For people to know who we are. By how we behave, by how we treat one another, how we talk, and how we show our love. Lord, help us to be your people in this world. Bless this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are thankful that you are here this morning. I'm Mike Pipkin. I'm one of the elders here. John Scott's along with, I think, a few others on spring break this week. Um, 
And so we're going to uh, be leading our worship uh, this morning, but we're glad that you're here. If you would now take this opportunity to check in by, ch by texting the word check in to the number on the screen in front of you. If you're visiting here, and we continue to have visitors coming each and every week, we are thankful that you are here. Uh, please help us note uh, your attendance by also using the barcode in front of you to, to check in uh, so we know, know that you're here. And if you're a first-time member, a first-time guest here at Preston Crest, please take the, the card that's in the pew back in front of you, take it back to the Information Center. We've got a special gift for you as well. We are thankful for the support that this congregation showed last week for the Fajita fundraiser, which raised money over $10,000 for youth mission trips this summer. Uh, what a great group of, of kids that we have in our, in our ministry led by Brian Borden uh, and Kelly Wilkinson. We are just so very, very thankful for the support that this congregation showed uh, during this big fundraiser, really the big fundraiser that they do for youth mission trips. Uh, so thank you for being a part of that. Uh, let's continue our time in worship, but first let's, let's hear the word of the Lord. This is from Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 21 through 23. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Let's stand as we sing that song. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Oh 
Michael Jackson is going to be leading our thoughts over the communion table in just a moment. And I'll thank Michael for pinch hitting at about 9.45 last night. Uh, let's sing Jesus' name above all names before Michael leads us in this time. Jesus' name everybody. So, off to a good start. So I don't know about you guys, one of the things that I find most relatable to the apostles, to the disciples, is missing the point sometimes. I know that Jesus oftentimes was telling parables and giving examples and just really probably frustrated with the apostles for not picking up on things. And so in thinking about communion this morning, I thought about Jesus um, giving thanks and breaking bread. And I quickly found four different examples of that. Mark 6, when the 5,000 were fed, Jesus took the loaves, he gave thanks, and he broke the bread. In Mark 8, when the 4,000 were fed, he gave thanks, and he broke the bread. He did the same thing in Mark 14 with the Lord's Supper. And then again in Luke 24:30 the resurrected Jesus with the two disciples that he met on the road. He, he took a loaf, he blessed it, he gave thanks, and he broke the bread. Um, but in particular, I wanted to think about Mark 6 and 8 and then Mark 14. So in Mark 6 and Mark 8, there are thousands of people, and the, the apostles wonder where they're going to get food, where they're going to get bread. And so Jesus takes a little, and the provision is more than enough. There are baskets left over. And I know that Jesus oftentimes did that, did things like that with the purpose of them hopefully remembering later what that was going to mean. And so I wonder when they're sitting there in the upper room in Mark 14 and Jesus is breaking bread with them, if they really know what that means. They're thinking they're just sharing a meal with Jesus. There's a few of them. But we know that that broken bread was going to be Jesus' broken body and that the provision of that grace and that broken body was going to be enough for all of us, for those that have come before us, for those in the room right now, and for those that still have yet to know Jesus and to know the salvation that God's given us. And so I just encourage everybody right now, as we uh, take this bread, to think about the fact that we are one of many and that the provision is enough and that it's more than enough and that there are baskets of it left over for those yet to come. If you'll bow with me as we think about that. Father, we thank you so much for just the broken body of Jesus, God. We thank you for the provision of your grace, that it's more than enough, God, for multitudes of people, multitudes of sin, multitudes of hopelessness, God. We are thankful that we can take this communion, take this bread, take this Lord's Supper, 
uh, that Jesus instituted so many years ago and just be strengthened by it, God, and to know that it's more than enough. We pray this in your son's holiest name. Amen. While I was thinking about that, I was thinking about the many different people and the thousands that were fed and the many different people that are saved, the the different backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds, um, just the different, just looking out on this room, the different people that are here. Um, I thought about 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17, where despite the fact that we are many, we are one. Paul says to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17, it says, Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. If you'll bow with me again. We come to you again, Father, and we just thank you for the blood of Christ. We thank you for the cleansing power that it offers. We thank you for Jesus' willingness to die on the cross for our sins, to set that example of selflessness and sacrifice, and we pray that we can live that out through the strengthening of our own spirits, through the partaking of this bread and this cup, God. We pray this in your son's holiest name. Amen. Good to see you guys here this morning. I like that phrase Michael gave us, more than enough. Uh, There's a song I like right now, a Christian song that I like that has that more than enough. And it's true. And honestly, there are a lot of manifestations of that here, overflow in terms of ministry, in terms of giving. And thank you for responding to Jesus' more than enough gift by offering back to the world and to your church uh, of that overflow. If you want to give this morning, you can give online. You can give through church teams. You can drop money in the white box outside in the foyer. Um, one of those ministries is people who don't have more than enough, people who are really going through a tough time that need help. And Benevolence Ministry here has been a huge, I mean, like a very unique part of this church for a long time, uh, both uh, outside of the body here at Preston Crest, helping our neighbors, but, but also helping those of us, our brothers and sisters who are going through a tough time. You'll hear more about that in a minute. Let's, let's pray to Jesus. You are more than enough. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you for that grace that you have lavished on us. And may we be so full of you and your grace that we pour that out into the lives of those around us. 
And we do it for you. In your name, amen. church family. I'm Kirk Ellison. Part of your giving each week goes to the good works of this church in the form of member and community benevolence. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 6 to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. There are members of our church family and of our community that are hurting, that are dealing with burdens they can't handle, financial, physical, emotional burdens. Some are on the verge of losing hope, losing home, and are in despair. It's through your giving each week that the Preston Crest Benevolence Ministry exhibits Christ-like compassion to the best of its abilities through prayerful requests to be good stewards, prayerful requests to share the good news of the hope that is in Jesus to those that are in despair. It's because of your giving that this ministry can do its work. May God bless you in your giving. Thank you. Since the very beginning of the church, going back to Acts chapter 2, that's been part of it, right? Uh, gathering possessions and, and sharing as members had need. That is, that's been at the core of the church that God established here on earth from the very, very beginning. So we are, on behalf of the elders, very, very thankful for your continued generosity on that front. Next week is a big week here at Preston Crest. Uh, it is our annual baby blessing. Well, I'll tell you about Ladies' Day. Let's, let's tell you about Ladies' Day first. Um, and then I'm going to tell you about, the, uh, tell you about the, the baby blessing we're going to have next week. This is on Saturday, March 25th. Uh, I, I encourage you to register in the foyer. Uh, you can't miss it. It's pink out there. Uh, the pink table is where you can register for that. Uh, you can also register online uh, using the barcode that you see there, which is also in your bulletin as well. But let me, now let me tell you about next week, and I don't think we have a slide for it. Uh, it's our baby blessing, our annual baby blessing. I believe we've got 14 newborns since last year's baby blessing. So once again, a huge class of, of new uh, lives, new spirits that uh, are part of our children's ministry. So please be here for that as uh, we gather the elders, gather around uh, these families, these young families for this very, very special time. So that will be next week. Uh, we can go ahead and dismiss our kids to Children's Church. Let's stand as we sing one more song before Gordon comes up. Lord, I I think our baby blessing coming out of the lockdowns and pandemic and everything was maybe our biggest one ever. It was nearly 30. You guys were busy during those lockdowns. Um, but yeah, 14 is a good number, and we celebrate the, the new birth and the new life here and, and thinking about more than enough. There's more than enough Jesus for the next generation and the next generation. So we're going to be faithful, and we're going to tell the story of the cross 
to our children, our grandchildren, and they're going to pass it on. It's been going on for 2,000 years. The church has been growing. The kingdom cannot be stopped. The gates of Hades cannot prevail against it. And we're happy to be part of that magnificent story. Coming up in a couple of weeks, so March the 19th, right, Barbara? We got PC 101. I'm excited about that. And hope that you, if you're visiting and would like to know more about this church or be a part of this church family, hope that you will come be a part of that. Uh, It's just a coffee and conversations about Preston Crest right across this hallway after first service in the fellowship hall. You'll see me and Phil Jackson over there waiting to give you a warm welcome. Barbara Cooper will be there too, giving you a warm welcome. You're always giving a warm welcome, uh, but we hope you can be part of that. No need to RSVP or anything, just walk-ins are welcome. Show up. We've got several stories this morning as we continue the Song of Lament story or sermon series. The first story comes from about 1000 BC, and then another story from 600 BC. But I'll start with this one. The newspaper announcement went like this. Everett, aged two months, passed away Thursday, July 14, 2016, in the local hospital. He was born May 12 in Fort Worth, Texas. Graveside service will be held at 9 a.m. Monday at Memory Gardens Cemetery. There are situations that I find myself in, that I know you find yourself in, that you just never would have chosen for yourself, never would have chosen for anyone close to you to pass through. And one of those occasions for me was this occasion when I was asked to preach the funeral service for baby Everett. What do you say? What do you do at a moment like that? And looming over this graveside service was this question of how. How did this happen? Literally, there was not a good answer. We didn't know what happened to baby Everett. And so it was another one of those SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome cases when we just don't know exactly what happened. And so that question, how, was overshadowing. And then, of course, the theological question, very personal question, how does a good and all-powerful God allow this to happen? And those are good questions. I had officiated that couple's wedding not too long before out there in Weatherford, Texas. Beautiful summer afternoon backyard of one of their friends. It was gorgeous. And that couple, so handsome. I mean, they look like they could be right off the cover of a bridal magazine. All smiles on that day when they exchanged their vows, dressed to the nines, taking selfies with their friends after the ceremony. Music was was pumping out there in the backyard. And now this, and so this week, as I was thinking about what to say this morning, as we continue in the Lament series, I pulled open that Word document from 2016 to see what I said as the, as the family gathered around this tiny coffin to say goodbye. I quoted words from Psalm 34 to that mourning mother and father. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. David penned those words when he was on the run. When death was pursuing him. To the west, the Philistines were set against this upstart for reasons you might be aware of. There was that thing about Goliath, their hero. And and his own people to to the east. The Israelites under the command of King Saul, were pursuing him. It wasn't fair, it wasn't right, but that's what he was passing through. And in the middle of this valley, of this circumstance he never would have chosen for himself, in that psalm, he also wrote these words, verse 1, I will bless the Lord in all times. I will bless the Lord no matter what. 
His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And writing in verse 18, you know, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, close to people um, like you and me when we're at the lowest moment, when we're walking through the valley of the shadow. Verse 8 in that same psalm, he pins these words in his hour of desperation. He writes, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who, what, who takes refuge in the Lord. We've heard that phrase before, taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you know that he wrote it when things weren't good? But he found the good as he took refuge in God. And so last week we began talking about lament. Old Testament, New Testament. It is the language of God's people when things are not as they should be. It's the language that we grasp for in the dark when we are brokenhearted, when we are brought low. And this vocabulary that's God-given is powerful, it is healing, it allows us to pass through pain while holding on to promise, to, re- to endure hurt while never letting go of hope. And as God's children, we lament, we complain, we mourn, but when we do that, we move beyond what we see into what we know. We name the brokenness, we name the pain that surround us, and we say, yet, but, nevertheless, we will worship the Lord at all times. The Thessalonian Christians were confused in the New Testament. They were confused because they put their faith in Jesus They were told Jesus was coming back. But then they were watching dear family members and church family members expire, pass away. I don't know if they had obituaries in Thessalonica, but if they did, they were reading obituaries of people they loved very much. And they wondered, how could this happen? How? And Paul wrote them, 1 Thessalonians 4.13, he wrote them, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Check this out. We, we grieve. We just don't grieve like others who have no hope. If you don't know how to grieve this way, I hope you will learn. I hope you will learn to lament because at some point or another, you're going to need it. You're going to ask, how? How did this tragedy happen? How am I still struggling with the same sin that I've been struggling with for 20 years? How can God watch this injustice happen? And nothing is done to remedy the situation. How? Which gets me to the book of Lamentations, which Mike already quoted those words this morning. We sang those words this morning. The book of Lamentations isn't called the book of Lamentations in Hebrew. In Hebrew, the title of the book is very simple. Ekah. How? And God's people got that title from the first word of the book of Lamentations, chapter 1, verse 1. Jeremiah writes, how lonely sits the city that was full of people. He's looking at Jerusalem. He says, how like a widow she has become. She who was great among the nations. She who was a princess among the provinces has become a slave. And so when we hear those words that we sing, that we rejoice in, in Jeremiah, or rather in in 
Lamentations chapter 3, we know the context, right? Jeremiah writes, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. They are, they never, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will wait for him. He pronounced those words. This is a drawing from the late 1800s depicting this. He pronounced those words over a destroyed Jerusalem. He's watching the city burn. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. He's reminding God's people that they can hold on to hope even when life is a disaster zone. The city of God... Think about it. Zion, for two long years, had been surrounded by the greatest superpower of the day, Babylon. They had been starved. They had been cut off from the world. And so 587 B.C. is the the year that Jerusalem finally succumbed. That the city surrendered to Babylon. And his lament expressed faith while the city was on fire. His tears filled his eyes as he proclaimed, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Last week we saw the four elements of lament. They're not always going to appear in order. Lament is not a clean, neat, and tidy thing, is it? They're not always going to appear in order. Sometimes one of the elements will be repeated several times. Sometimes there will be this here, and then it'll come up again later in the lament, the prayer. But lament has a direction. It's different. It's a complaint, Right? It's a complaint. Everybody complains, but lament is Christian. Lament is ours. Lament is of God's people. It is a complaint directed to someone, namely God. I take it to God. Lament has, has description to it. It has descriptive words. This, Lord, is what is wrong. This is what I see. Jeremiah is very descriptive in the book of Lamentations. Tells us all about the problems of God's people, and in particular, Jerusalem. It describes the situation. It names what is not right. Lament has a demand to it or a request, an ask to it. It says, here is what I want you to do. This is what, God, you can offer to remedy the situation. And lament also has this element of devotion. This is the yet, the but, the nevertheless. With everything I just said, Lord, I'm still going to praise you. I still proclaim that your mercies never come to an end. Lament is language of faith, isn't it? It's a posture of faith. Mark DeVries wrote these words. He said, faith helps us stand under God's sovereignty even when we have no idea what God is doing. Hmm. That's faith. And so lament is this all-season faith. It's that tread you get on the tires of your faith when things are a little bit slippery, a little bit dangerous. Things are not as they should be. It's something that you need. It's something that we need as a community of faith, not only for our moment of desperation, our heart cry, but so that we can come alongside others and love them better when they're passing through that season of suffering and struggle. Rebecca Eklund wrote this. She said, lament shapes the person who laments. It inclines them in a certain direction. Lament inclines toward hope. It leans toward the light while still in the darkness. It takes doubts and fears over God's silence and shapes them into prayer. 
David was well acquainted with sorrow and struggle. There were situations and circumstances that he did not deserve, that he did not choose. There were others that he completely was responsible for, that he steered into. He knew grief at various moments of his life and struggle. Our main text this morning is from Psalm 3. It's a short psalm. But it's another one of these poems or songs that David wrote in one of these situations that no one would choose for themselves. The man after God's own heart in Psalm 3 is afflicted and pursued not by the Philistines to the west or his own people to the east, but by his own flesh and blood. As David writes Psalm 3, his son, dear Absalom, his son Absalom is pursuing him and wants his head on a platter. David has fled Jerusalem. David is on the run again, but this time it's his own family in hot pursuit. And Absalom has numbers. He's got David outnumbered and on the run. So once again, David, we find him turning to the Lord with a song of lament. Psalm 3. O Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. They are saying, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. You are my glory. You are the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke up again. For the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. And so David looks at what's going on in his life. It is unfair. It is undeserved. It is unjust. It is mm, desperate. Surrounded. All sides. I think the theme word I noticed this week as I worked through Psalm 3, the theme word was many. That's the theme of his lament. Many, verse 1, are my foes. Many, verse 1, are those rising against me. Many, verse 2, are saying there's no salvation for him in God. And verse 6, many thousands of people have set themselves Against me. Surrounded. I've had moments where I had in my life to face a challenge or two at the same time. A danger to be alert to. A serious struggle that needed to be resolved. What about you? David was, was overwhelmed with challenges at one singular moment. That's, that's next order. That's next level. Many were his foes. And did his lament, did it have direction? We talked about how lament has direction. Yeah, verse 1. He cried, first words of Psalm 3, O Lord, this song is a song to you. Yours are the ears that I want to hear this plea. Did he describe what was wrong? Of course he described what was wrong. Over and over in that psalm, many are rising against me. 
Many have set themselves against me. I am surrounded. Did it have a demand? Verse 7, yeah. Strike my enemies on the cheek. Break the teeth of the wicked. Take my enemies out. That's his request. And finally, in all of that stress... In all of that sorrow, as his own son pursues him to take his life, even in that crisis, yes, he inclines his heart toward hope. There is that yet, that but, that nevertheless, as he says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. And yeah, that lament, it turns on that yet, that but. Verse 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Jeremiah saw destruction all around him, ruin. David, with his own eyes, saw many enemies, dangers, challenges. And both directed their hearts toward what they knew to be true, despite what their eyes saw. We have a choice. We can wallow in the muck of despair. We can, or, you know, we can pretend, right? Everything's fine. Lament says to us, come and talk to the Father about all that you're going through. I mentioned last week that um, churches don't often know how to do lament Many of the new songs of praise, 95 plus percent, are not lament psalms. And I said the American church is not very good at lamenting. I need to put one caveat, one, one asterisk on that. The African American church is good at lamenting. Those brothers and sisters have been using this language, deploying lament for a very long time. Suffering under slavery... Violence, injustice, and that low-grade suffering of having other people tell them, it's all fixed, it's all better now. You don't need to complain anymore. And so they've deployed this language where they look through the tears of this life. In spirituals, they look toward the joys of the next. And there are many spirituals. Here's one of them. I ain't got weary yet. I ain't got weary yet. I ain't got weary yet. I've been in the wilderness a mighty long time. And I ain't got weary yet. I've been praying like Silas. I've been preaching like Paul. I've been walking with my Savior. I've been walking with the Lord. I've been in the wilderness a mighty long time. And I ain't got weary yet. Inclined toward hope while walking in the wilderness. Back to that question that the Hebrews asked in the very title of the book of Lamentations. How? This mathematics does not add up. You are powerful. You are good. But this is happening at the same time. So how do we hold on to pain and promise when we're asking that question? With so much hurt, how do we continue to hope? As followers of Jesus, we look to the Christ, the Son of God, who redeemed us, 
who took our sin and shame upon himself as he went to the cross. What was mournful, what was despicable, what was unjust, what was cruel, what was bloody, it turned into victory, didn't it? Oh, victory in Jesus. As that scene unfolded on that day, that Friday, Good Friday we call it now, it didn't look very good though, did it? Some family members, one apostle, looked on as he was crucified and thought, how, how, how could his ministry end like this? How could this be part of God's plan? And then the cross became a symbol of hope. It became something that people wear around their necks, that tattoo on their shoulders, that hang proudly in their churches. The cross is ugly and the cross is beautiful. At the same time, it's painful, it's promising, it's hurt, and it's hope. God saw our desperate situation, and he said, I got you. With grateful hearts, we say to Jesus, you, O Lord, are a shield about me. You are the lifter of my head. In every sorrow and struggle, graveside service, miscarriage, unjust accusation, every betrayal, every lonely moment, every time the desires of our hearts are not fulfilled, we can say, I ain't got weary yet. So we hold on to the one who died and who was raised. The one whose final words before ascending to the Father were, lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. This morning you can come to Jesus You can put your faith in Jesus. You can hold on to hope no matter what. He is the lifter of your head. You can be baptized in the name of Jesus, washing away your sins, receiving his Holy Spirit in your life to help you along the way. You can do that today. If you want to be a member, talk to us about that or come to PC 101 here in a couple weeks. If you need prayers, we'll be down here to pray with you. Or you can pray with somebody around you this morning. We're in this together. We're God's people. And this is a house of prayer. Let's stand and worship together.
to that case right there. Preston's going to be reading our scripture as we close out here in just a second. Come on up. Uh, tonight, you want to be here as we continue our study of the parables of Jesus. Uh, Sunday nights are fantastic here at Preston Crest. We have got great lessons that are happening. LTC is going on across the street. If you're not coming, you need to be here on Sunday night. It is a great opportunity of fellowship, worship, and praise. It's March, so we've got a new verse that Preston is going to be reading for us here in just a moment. Again, the elders want you to, to be really working on memorizing these scripture, to be able to, to share them readily when you come across people each and every day, to encourage them. And to, if you want to also invite them to Preston Crest, you may have seen on the front page of the bulletin, we've got business cards that are available out at the information center. Put a couple in your wallet or your purse. And as the opportunity arises, invite people to come be with us here at Preston Crest. Preston, if you would, close us out. Absolutely. Good morning. My name is Preston Hughes. And today I'm going to be um, asking you to join me in the take-home verse from Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Uh, be strong and courageous. courageous. Do, not Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Uh, you are dismissed.